0: Let's turn together to the Word, and you can go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we will be there in a moment. I hope you brought your copy of God's Word, and we'll be reading from 2 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 9 in just a moment. During our studies here in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, we've noted that to finish the Christian life well means to, first of all, uphold to proclaim the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. It also means that we need to be willing to endure suffering for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And thirdly, we noted that we need to keep an eternal perspective. If we're going to finish our walk with Christ well, if we're going to finish this life, live for Christ well, we need to keep an eternal perspective, knowing that the crown of righteousness, that eternal righteousness that awaits every follower of Jesus Christ is ours but only because of the shed blood of Christ we have that eternal hope we look to look to eternal righteousness in Christ sin will be done with we will be done with sin one day and that is a glorious thought but only because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf and then last week we added to our lessons on finishing well this that one who will finish well a life lived for Christ has become a person of the word, and that person studies and reads God's word and reads good books that that are theologically sound that point that person back to God's words and explain theological truths that need they need to understand to live life for Christ and to finish well this life, live for Christ. So we need to never stop. Never stop learning. Never stop growing. Never stop reading how important it is that if you can read, you read. And that you stretch yourself and you make yourself read some theologically sound books, maybe some things that, that you might not have been interested in at one time, but but you pursue those truths because you, you want to know God more, and you want to know his word more fully, and you want to be more and more obedient to him. And so you never stop reading and studying God's word, and you never stop reading those wholesome, theologically sound books that will send you back to the word, to send you back to God's truths for a clearer understanding of God and his word and how to live a life that's Christ-honoring. This morning we return to these closing verses in chapter 4 in our final lesson here on Finishing Well. As Paul closes this last letter to Timothy, he's urging him to make every effort to come to him before winter. And there are a number of personal greetings and some requests for personal items that he wants Timothy to bring. We see in these closing verses and and you might think as we look at these last verses, why is this included in God's Word and how does it relate to God's people through the ages and today? I mean, how do all these greetings and things um, equate to something that's helpful to us? Well, they do, and I want you to see why. There's some important things here for us to consider together. Here's here's what I want you to see today from our time in the Word together. Because we see there are many, many people listed here, and it and it kind of jumps off the page to me when I read these, that that Paul was involved in people's lives. Paul was involved with people. And believers who finish well remember that ministry is about people. People who finish well, their life lived for Christ, know that living for the Lord Jesus Christ is about living next to people. For God's glory, for the sake of spreading the gospel to people who need to hear it. Ministry is all about people. Living for Christ is all about living your life around people and dealing with your brothers and sisters in Christ and with unbelievers and doing so in a way that's glorifying to God. So the questions we might ask ourselves or might go like this. How, how can we live for Christ, a life that that is for God's glory, and do so in a way that finishes well? Don't forget that it includes people. Don't forget that it includes people. Let's look at the verses this morning. Let's begin with verse 9. I want you to follow along with me. As I read, verse 9, Paul writes to Timothy, and we began here last week, but let's let's begin here again this morning, verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and and above all the parchments, which we saw there last week in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. The Lord stood by. The Lord, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Father in heaven, as we come together this morning, we bow our heads before your word and Lord, I pray that it would truly be the attitude of our hearts that we humble them, we humble our hearts before your word today, and these these necessary challenges that we see in your word and wonderful reminders we have in your word often, Lord, wherever we go in your word, we, we're strengthened by these truths, and we find truths that often uh, step on our toes and correct our thinking, and and sometimes, very often, convict us of sin that needs to be repented of and may write right with you. God, I pray that your word would do all of that today in our hearts and draw us into, into closer fellowship with you after having studied the word together and strengthen us for, for fellowship with you and with other believers and for the spread of the gospel in the week ahead, for your honor and glory, for having been here together in the word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I read these verses, we're seeing here. I don't know if you caught this, but I can't read this without seeing the humanity of Paul, and kind of being touched by some of Paul's humanity here. Um, sometimes we might tend to think that Paul was superhuman. No, Paul wasn't superhuman. He served a loving heavenly Father who supernaturally empowered him and. And embolden him to serve for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul had the same Holy Spirit that you and I have, who intends to supernaturally empower us to serve for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, I would suggest that Paul is no different from you or me. And that might sound strange saying that, but but in this in this way, he served the same Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we serve. He has the same, same Holy Spirit empowering him to serve as we do. He serves for the same purpose that we should be serving, for the spread of the gospel. And so we can be empowered as Paul was. You can see some loneliness in what he writes here. He's also dealing with being abandoned by some. You can see that. He mentions those who have abandoned him. And and, and there are feelings that go along with that. If you've ever had someone abandon you, you know what that is like. You know how hard that is and how difficult and... And the feelings that go along with that kind of situation and experience. He's also disappointed with certain people. You can see his disappointment here with certain individuals. On the other hand, this a great man of God is very strong. He is very confident in the Lord as he faces execution. He knows his his days are numbered. He he will likely face the executioner's sword before too long. And he boldly proclaims with his confidence in the Lord. Look at verse 18. I love what he says in verse 18 because this is a bold proclamation of where his faith is. In verse 18 he says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now there's no clear advice or instruction from Paul here in these final verses. Uh, there's no clear instruction from Paul about the walk of the believer, but we do see from what we read here some help for finishing well. And I want to point out to you what we we ought to see here. And I think I want to challenge you this morning with something that I think is very important and I've already hinted at it and, and pointed you to it. For Christ's sake, for the gospel's sake, something that we need to take to heart and take very seriously and learn. What stands out to me And it's very obvious to me in these final verses is that that they are loaded with references to people. They are loaded with references to people. Many names, many individuals, many people that are mentioned here. And when it comes to to living for the sake of the gospel, we totally miss the point of living for Christ. If we forget that our lives live for the sake of the gospel, properly defined, should involve people, should include other people should include relationships with people who need to be encouraged for the sake of the gospel, other believers, and people who need to be pointed to the kingdom, people who need Christ. But as we all know, sometimes our relationships with others can get kind of rocky, can get kind of bumpy along the way, right? Who among us hasn't had a rocky or a bumpy relationship with someone, right? We all know what that's like. Sometimes, in our relationships with other people, there's stress and there's strain and that's why, as followers of christ we'll, we'll be encouraged and we will be strengthened in our walk with the Lord if we're going to if we'll remember that there's an important truth that we see here, and Paul subtly points to it. something we need to remember is that God is sovereign. when you find yourself in the midst of a personal relationship with someone and, and you're exchanging conversation, and the conversation gets heated, and you find things get blown out of proportion, and, and you're facing difficulties with another individual, and, and or maybe you find out that someone's been talking behind your back, or maybe you find out that you've been completely misrepresented and mischaracterized, you need to know this truth. As a follower of Christ, you need to be completely settled in this truth because you're going to need this kind of hope and this kind of strength when you find that your relationships with others are on rocky ground. You need to remember that God is sovereign over all circumstances, pleasant or unpleasant. You see what I see at the beginning of verses, look at the verses of 17 and 18 and 22. Just look at the first few words there, would you? You see what I see? Verse 17, verse 18, and verse 22, they all begin with, what do they begin with? The Lord. The Lord. Verse 17, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. Verse 22, the Lord be with your spirit. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. One of the fundamental truths that's going to undergird and strengthen the life of a believer is this truth, that God is sovereign Over all our circumstances, God is in control. Paul points to that here. God's in control. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his eternal kingdom. To him be glory forever. Verse 22, the Lord be with your spirit. Well how important it is that followers of Christ today, if they want to finish well, that we get this right, that we understand that God is sovereign. He is in control. Paul knew this. That's why he was able to accept the difficulties that he experienced with some people. And and I'll tell you, some of these circumstances were extremely unpleasant for Paul. You read the, you read the, the writings of Paul, you find out that he faced some serious difficulties with other people, and they were very unpleasant and yet, through them all, he knew that God would be glorified if he lived for God's purposes, to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now certainly, when we're talking about a sovereign God here, you might be thinking, and you might be challenged to think this by some people who say, well, if God's so sovereign, how come he didn't rescue Paul? If God's so in control, how come he didn't rescue Paul from prison, from being beheaded, having his life taken? And certainly the sovereign Lord could have rescued Paul from prison, could have sent him on his way for years of of more faithful ministry. The Lord certainly could have done that. But Paul understood very clearly that God's sovereign control over the affairs of his life didn't necessarily mean that God would snatch him out of harm's way. God may allow him to go through a a time of trouble and hardship for his glory, for God's glory. Paul understood very clearly that God's sovereign control was over the affairs of his life. And when he says in verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. Paul knows that whatever the Lord chooses to do, the Lord will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Paul knows I may not be rescued on earth, but I may be swept off into eternity with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he will rescue me in eternity. He may allow me to go through this hardship, but it will be for his glory and it will be better for me in eternity. As we know, the Lord didn't deliver Paul from the evil deeds and mistreatment of men, but he did deliver Paul through them. He gave Paul the strength to endure and to go through those difficulties. He died at the hands of his captors and yes, yes it was very difficult for Paul to say the very least, but God delivered him to His eternal home in glory, just as Paul indicates. That's where his hope is. That's where his confidence is. I find it interesting. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter one that his confidence is in the Lord's care for him. As he writes, I think it's a very helpful and encouraging passage. As he writes in in the Philippians one and verse twenty-one and following, for to me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is for God's glory. If I live, I live and I do so and I want to do so for God's glory. And to die is gain. He says, I gain if I die. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. You get that? My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's far better for me. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You know why? Because God had him spreading the gospel, preaching and teaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching and training and equipping people to push the the, the gospel further and further. Paul knew that whether God rescued him in the midst of this present persecution or whether God chose to lead him through it, God still reigned. God was still in control. No matter what happened to Paul, God was still in control of the events and affairs of his life. God was still in control. you have that certain hope? Do you have that confidence? You need to realize that God is in control, follower of Christ. You need to ground yourself in God's Word because again and again, God's Word reveals this truth again and again. God is in control. And God cares about every everything you care about and even more than you could possibly care about that goes on in your life, Paul's confidence was in the fact that the Lord would stand with him. Paul's confidence was in that fact that the Lord would stand with him and the Lord would be with him. Note he says in verse 17, the Lord not only would be with him, he says the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And then in verse 22 he says, the Lord be with your spirit. And did you know that we too can have that same confidence in the Lord that even if evil people treat us terribly, we can trust in our sovereign God whose purpose, whose plan will will not be stopped, will not be thwarted, and the Lord will remain with us, giving us grace and mercy to endure any difficulty? Just as Paul says in verse 22, grace be with you, and note there that that word you in the original isn't in the singular tense. It's as if, it's not as if he's just speaking to Timothy, it's in the plural. For one thing, this letter is going to go to Timothy, but it will be likely passed around and read in the church. And that in the original is a plural you. So he's not just talking to Timothy, but he's talking to all believers here. The plural you, this is encouragement of God's grace all God's people God is gracious on all God's people and all who would read this letter and all who would hear it read in the church this would be encouragement to them I trust it's encouragement to you to think about the fact that God's grace is on you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ God's grace will be on all believers who live for God's glory and that's key think about it if you live for God's glory, God's gracious hand will be working in through your life. Note there in verse 18, Paul says, To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. How do you live for God's glory? Well, for one thing, you, you don't live for self. You don't put self first. That's not living for God's glory, is it? How do you live for God's glory? Well, you put God's Word first, and what God's Word it teaches you and how it commands you and how it instructs you and leads you step by step in obedience to, to to your Heavenly Father and to His Word. That's how you live for God's glory. You know that all we enjoy is to be enjoyed for God's glory? You know that all you have is to, is to be lived with and used for God's glory? God gets the glory for this, especially for our salvation. Think about how How you came to Christ. God gets the glory for that. God gets the glory for saving you from a life of sin. God gets the glory for drawing you to Himself. We did not save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. And God gets all the glory when we find our strength in the Lord and when we're, yes, when we're mistreated by others and we turn to the Lord for help and hope and encouragement. God gets the glory in that. And you will be strengthened by God's presence and his mercy and his grace strengthening you to deal with difficult people when you live with your confidence, firmly resting in the sovereignty of God. How sad, how sad it is to think, to be deceived by Satan into believing that God is not in control. When God's word says something very different, how sad when people wonder and wander through this life and say, well, you know, I just wish you know God would do something about this as if He's not really in control and He doesn't really care. You know, in dealing with people in your walk with Christ, you need to remember and you need to stay committed to the cause of Christ, which is sharing the gospel of Christ with people. And when you rub shoulders with people, sometimes you're going to find it very difficult. And when you get to know people sometimes, and they get to know you, sometimes there's going to be hardship and there's going to be difficulty and there's going to be miscommunication. And sometimes there's going to be people who mistreat you. We see that in the text this morning. There were, Paul, there were people who, who mistreated Paul and turned against him. But don't ever forget that God is in control. And if God is allowing this difficulty in your life, he intends it for your good and for the good of the gospel as you yield to him in the wisdom of his word in responding to those who bring hardship and difficulty into your life. You might think that being in prison would have kept Paul from sharing the gospel. Paul's a, a positive example of commitment to the cause of Christ, ministering to people the gospel of Christ, and you might think that being in prison would have slowed him down a bit. Now, he's still faithful. He's still serving Christ. It did not slow him down. He's still faithfully serving Christ for the sake of the gospel. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Luke alone is with me. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Now Paul is not finished yet, is he? Paul is not finished at all. Look at it. Think about it. He, he's in prison. Would you be thinking about ministry? I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, I think this is kind of funny in a way, because in our in our mindset, we would think, "Oh, prison. That's the end. It's done now. We're done. I can't do anything." Not Paul. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. Uh, bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. He's still ministering. He's still serving Christ. Paul is not finished yet. He knows his death could be very soon, but in the, in the meantime, he's still working to minister. As long as the Lord gives him breath, he is serving the Lord. He is working to minister, to know Christ more, to, to teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who listen, to do his ministry, to push the boundaries of the gospel further and further out, teaching and equipping and encouraging others to take the gospel to people. Paul was all about that right up to the end. And Those who finish well will never forget that whatever the circumstances God puts you in, no matter how hard, it's an opportunity for proclaiming the gospel. Wherever you are, there will be people to tell about Christ. And there will be other believers to encourage for Christ. I'm confident that, that wherever God has us, we will likely find other believers that need encouragement and we will definitely find unbelievers who need to be saved. And we don't get the idea in these closing verses that Paul was a loner. Do you? You see all these names of Paul's co-workers for the cause of Christ and when you look at them you got to realize that Paul did not work alone, did he? You need to be encouraged in that. You are not a loner. You're not the Lone Ranger and you shouldn't try to be. And certainly, there's certainly Timothy to whom Paul was writing. I want to think about some of these people here. Timothy, of course, to whom Paul was writing and we've been looking at what he wrote to Timothy, but there's also Crescens in verse 10. Now we don't know anything about him other than what we see here from which we gather that he was a faithful minister because Paul sent him to minister in the difficult region of Galatia. So evidently he was a faithful minister and Paul sent him to minister elsewhere. Titus is another individual who's faithful, who had finished his work in Crete and now was off to Dalmatia. So there's Titus. And in verse 11 we see Luke who is Faithfully serving at Paul's side, Paul also asked Timothy to bring Mark. Remember Mark? He says to Timothy, bring Mark with you. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. I think that's an amazing statement and one that gives great hope, too. You remember Paul um, had had a bit of a problem with Mark. Mark had gone with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, but he had deserted them and returned home. And then later on, we know that Barnabas, who was Mark's cousin, wanted to give him a second chance, but Paul was set against that. He said, no way, we're not taking Mark. He went home the first time, he'll do it again. And that led to a a parting of ways between Paul and Barnabas, with Barnabas taking Mark and going to minister in Cyprus. But the patient encouragement of Barnabas to Mark. Barnabas was, was an encouragement to Mark. He was patient with Mark. And it paid off. And and now what do we see? Paul says, hey, get Mark and bring him. He, he's going to be useful to minister, for ministry. He's useful to me. Paul's had a change of heart, hasn't he? Because Mark has grown. And then there's Tychicus, seen in verse 12. Probably the one who delivered this letter to Timothy and stayed on in Ephesus as his replacement, since in the original the, in the original language, is the word that we have here as sent, as in I sent this letter, is actually... I am sending so he probably put it in Tychicus hand and sent him on his way to deliver this letter and he was done. And then in verse 13 we see Carpus who had given Paul a place to stay in Troas which which we noted last week is likely where Paul had been arrested and taken away very quickly before he could gather his things because he's asking here for his cloak and the books. And then there's Priscilla and Aquila in verse 19 they were fellow tent makers they often hosted the church in their homes. Paul also greets the household of Onesiphorus, who either, either Onesiphorus had not yet returned home after visiting Paul in Rome, or it's possible he had lost his life ministering to Paul as he was imprisoned. We don't know though. And then there's Erastus, verse twenty. He was the city treasurer at Corinth. And then Trophimus in verse twenty. He was a Gentile native of Ephesus. He was with Paul in Jerusalem when falsely accused by Paul's enemies of of bringing in a Gentile into the temple, which that in turn led to Paul's arrest. And then in verse 21, Paul sends greetings to Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, and Claudia, along with all the brothers and sisters in Christ in in Rome. And we see all these individuals, all faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, all serving to minister the gospel alongside Paul. And we know very little about many of these people, but the, the point is, That Paul was not a loner. He could could not do the work that God had set him aside for, that that God had appointed him to. He could not do it alone. And you need to realize that too, believer, that God intends for you to serve him, but he doesn't intend for you to serve him alone. He intends for you to partner with others in the spread of the gospel for for the sake of encouragement and for building up of the body of Christ. As a follower of Christ, Paul knew that being committed to the cause of Christ meant ministering alongside other people and laboring together the gospel of Christ. And those who finish well, we need to learn this, that those who finish well learn to serve alongside others in the body of Christ. Learn to serve alongside others in the church, and that is a learning process because it's not always easy, is it? We don't always get along, do we? There are interpersonal communication differences, right? We have differences of of upbringing and background and, and education and, and uh, employment and everything in this world that leads to our differences. And we bring those into the church and the Lord Jesus Christ says, you're my sheep, you're my people, the people of my pasture, and you, you're to serve me and honor and glorify me and live at peace with one another. And Those who finish well will learn to serve alongside others. You want to finish well for the cause of Christ? Begin learning as soon as possible. If you haven't begun learning already, you need to learn to serve alongside other believers for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Those who finish well, learn to serve alongside others in the body of Christ, the church, and they will encourage their fellow believers. They will encourage them. They will build them up for the truths of the gospel. And they will work together toward unity for the sake of the gospel, and they will learn to be peacemakers along with their brothers and sisters in Christ for the sake of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen, does it? Unfortunately, there there are examples here of where this has gone wrong, too. We can see this. Unfortunately, these aren't the only examples of people that we see here in these closing verses. There were some good examples of faithful people, godly people who had served and were serving and still ministering and pushing the boundaries of the gospel further and further. And yet, we come to the text and we say, but wait a minute, there are troublemakers. And yes, wherever there are people, (laughs) right, there are also likely uh, the potential for troublemakers, right? And we see them here. There were those who were Romans that identified themselves as Christians and were committed to the cause of Christ, but they were, these people, maybe not troublemakers on the surface, but in a way they they were cowardly at best when persecuted. It certainly was a difficult time then, of course. I think that we would have a very hard time understanding fully what it was like then. Nero was torturing and killing Christians. We don't understand what that's like, do we? To testify in court on Paul's behalf would have been very dangerous for them. We don't know what that's like. It would have been likely deadly for them. So as we see in verse 16, at his preliminary hearing, what does it say? No one stood by me. So we don't know where Luke was at that time. It's possible that he hadn't arrived yet. But note that Paul is... I want you to note something very important for us, because if you're going to learn to serve alongside other people... And you're going, to find, you're going to find sometimes people aren't what you would hope they would be. And that's really true of each of us, isn't it? We're never quite what some people would hope we would be. We're all kind of in process. But I want you to note this. Note Paul's patience with their weaknesses. You see his patience? Note his patience with their weaknesses. And he, he graciously echoes the words of Jesus. May it not be charged against them. That's moving. That is challenging to me. That is humbling to me. Does that humble you when you read a passage like that and you think, boy, how how badly mistreated Paul was and he says, don't hold it against them, Lord. Don't let this be charged against them. You know, we can learn here from Paul. We can learn to be patient with people. We need to learn to be patient with people, don't we? I'm so thankful for the many patient people in my life. You have patient people in your life? I hope you do. God is gracious to us, isn't he? and bringing people who will influence us for the cause of Christ, people who are patient and loving, who don't expect us to get it right away and change overnight. The Lord didn't bring you to your present place with him, right, in your walk with him. The Lord didn't bring you to this present place in your walk with him overnight instantly. Did it happen? I, I think that that if you're a growing believer, you're going to realize you're constantly growing. You're constantly Learning and growing and changing and how and how you serve Him and obey Him. And, and you're growing in your commitment to Christ and your faithfulness to Christ. And, and you can look back over the years and you realize you were far from where you used to be. And yet you realize there's still room to grow, don't you? And I'm so thankful for this example and for those the example of others in my life and the lives of people I've known who've been very patient. We need to learn that, don't we? If we're going to serve together for the gospel, for the, for the sake of the kingdom, we need to learn to be patient with people who don't necessarily get it as quickly as we hope they would. Boy, and how we, how would we do? Think about putting yourself into a situation like that. How would we do if we were persecuted and we feared for our lives? You know what I would think I would do? I would probably try to find a place to hide myself and my family. We would probably do that, right? If we were persecuted, we were concerned about losing our lives, we would probably quick find a place to hide. The truth is we we often shrink from much less opposition than this, right? We aren't fearing for our lives. We don't face life-endangering opposition. And yet, often we cave on things that are much less oppressive than this. And we need to pray for God's wisdom, don't we? We need to pray for God's grace and courage and strength to speak for Christ no matter what the opposition. To have the kind of courage that believers in that, in that day in the text that we see there had. Some didn't have it. Many didn't have the courage. They ran, they hid, they they were not there to defend Paul when he was needed. Well, that's a an example we need to, to learn from and guard our hearts from, and we need to grow in Christ's likeness so that we might have His grace and strength to endure when we face opposition, even the things we face today, we might be bold and courageous to speak the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see to Alexander in verse 14. Alexander in verse 14, who who may have appeared to be committed to Christ at one point, but in the end, he he opposed the cause of Christ, and he did... Paul, great harm, didn't he? And so Paul warns Timothy about Alexander the coppersmith. And and Paul's statement here, I want you to note that his statement here is not a calling down of judgment. It's not like he's calling down judgment on Alexander the coppersmith. It's a statement of fact that the Lord will repay him according to his deeds this isn't revenge on paul 's part in fact the the judgment that god on of God on the wicked ought to encourage and comfort us you know when you're persecuted when there are those who are resisting you because you stand for something that they can't stand who resist you for the for the cause of Christ because you are living for the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be encouraged and you can be comforted to know that that God will judge those who mistreat God's messengers. I'm not suggesting that we that we, that we take it out on others and say God's going to judge you and, and, and ask for God's judgment on that, but we can rest assured that God's in control. Our sovereign Lord is in control and He will not rest while His people are being persecuted. There will be judgment for those who mistreat God's messengers. And then there's Demas, seen in verse 10. He's another one who had formerly professed faith, but he deserted the cause of Christ for the world. And boy, we live in a time when it's very difficult to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ isn't because there's so much in the world that would distract us and pull us away from faith in Christ. And let me just tell you, this can be a very heartbreaking thing to invest yourself into the lives of others for the cause of Christ and then 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 watch them walk away from Christ and walk away from His church and walk away from you You need to be encouraged by those who are faithful and not be discouraged by those who are unfaithful. It's hard not to be discouraged. And you may not be able to avoid being discouraged at times, but you ought not be discouraged for very long if you understand that God is in control. And your sovereign God has allowed you to go through that, to build you up, to make you his his instrument for further ministry, for his glory. I can't tell you how many times that, that I've been discouraged or felt defeated when, when someone I invested time and energy in and part of my life in seemed to just chuck it all and walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ and walk away from the church and even attempt to do great harm to God's church, how hard that is. But yet, in retrospect, able to look back and realize that God brought me through that so that I could be equipped for today. Today. And in His gracious provision, He provided just what I needed to stretch me and mold me and and make me the kind of person He wants me to be for His kingdom today. And God is still doing that daily. How encouraged we can be when we have the proper perspective about God's sovereignty. Don't ever forget about the providential hand of God. Because what I've found At times very painful, I've often learned later that God used that to strengthen me, to serve him more faithfully. So in Paul's closing remarks to Timothy, we see that Paul wasn't thinking about himself, was he? Well, you might say, well, he did ask for his cloak. (laughs) Okay, you got me on that one. But other than that, from 9 to 22, he's thinking about others, isn't he? He's thinking about others. How hard it is to think about others sometimes. When you, when you face, like I do, you, we face challenges every day, don't we? We face difficulties and hardship, and sometimes it's all we can do just to think about our own troubles. The person who finishes well, the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who will finish well for the cause of Christ, will realize that he needs to get alongside other believers and alongside unbelievers for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And like Paul, don't ever forget that you serve Christ who who came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Christ came, and that's who you serve. And that finishing well means being involved with people for the sake of that good news. That is good news that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost, and finishing well means getting alongside other people to serve in that cause to take to other people who may be very difficult people to tell them of that good news. And you can rest assured that if you are God's faithful servant, God will strengthen you and guide you and give you his wisdom and strength. Because he is a God who is sovereign and in control and knows exactly what you are going through and will take you just where he needs you to be to honor him in a way that's most god glorifying in the way that you live when you do so with an attitude of humility before the Lord. You want to finish well? I trust you do. Learn these lessons from Paul. Learn these lessons from this letter as he writes to Timothy. Read 2 Timothy again sometime. What a powerful statement to believers everywhere. To live for Christ. To spread the gospel. To tell the good news. To live the good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word and the precious truths that Your Word holds and how we thank You, Father, that we can come together this morning and and observe these truths. But God, I pray, help us to be very careful that we don't come to the Word as, as doers only, as hearers only, that we would be doers. God, help us to come to Your Word as as those who do, after they hear, and not just hearers. God, help us to not be deceived by this world. Help us to not be deceived by Satan's ploys to distract us and discourage us and even defeat us. God, I am so thankful that you give us the example of Paul who refused to be, because you strengthened him with with the knowledge and understanding of how you work and how, how God had blessed him and worked and stood by him. God, you've taught us and give us this example in Paul that he was not defeated, even in imprisonment, even knowing that he would lose his life soon. He was still ministering for the sake of the gospel, for the for the good of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So God, help us as we come to the word this morning, as we go our way, help us to not just come to the word and look into the word just as if we're looking at a mirror and then walking away without doing a thing. God, help us to be doers as we hear. Help us to be obedient to your word. Father, help us to honor and glorify you as a church. I I pray, Lord, that as a church that we would love your word more and more and hide these truths in our hearts, that we might honor and glorify you in the way that we live. Father, grow us as a fellowship of believers, learning how to work with one another, work alongside and become peacemakers and, and those who seek to be unified with other believers for the sake of the kingdom for the good of the gospel to sinners who are dying in need of a Savior, of whom, Lord, if we know you, we once were. So, God, I pray, touch our hearts today and encourage and challenge and build us up for for more and more faithfulness to you as we seek to finish well this this walk with Christ you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.